G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. My father was uh, an agricultural officer, and in those days that was a very big prestigious uh, position uh, in government. And being an agricultural officer, we had more than enough food to eat. So we didn't know that there were people that actually were starving out there. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Our guest today is Pastor Solomon Morsige, who is the founder and CEO of Good News Evangelical Ministries in Uganda and also the country director of Feed the Hungry in East Africa. He's going to share his story with us today and how he first became involved in helping refugees who were coming into his country. As we'll hear, Solomon was raised in a privileged, wealthy family and wasn't even aware of the plight of the poor when he was growing up. Pastor Solomon is chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Pastor Moisike, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. So glad to have you with us in the studio. You've only been in the country for a couple of days? Uh, two days today. All right. <laughs> yes, so two days, yeah. I promised you we'll go and look at some kangaroos before we go. <laughs> I must see kangaroos to, to convince my people that I've been to Australia. That's right. Okay, yeah. well... We're going to get to that, but first, we want to hear your story. It all starts back in Uganda. Let's talk about the circumstances where you were born, kind of unusual in that your parents had no relationship with each other. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I was actually born out of wedlock. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad never lived with my mom. I first saw my dad when I was seven years you never met him before that? No. You're just you're I, with your mother? I never met him before, so I was with my mom mm-hmm. and uh, and my, my grandmother. That was life for you until you're seven? So, yeah, that, that was, uh, that's how I, I, I lived. Mm-hmm. And uh, what my mom told me is that uh, my dad was not willing to take me in, but she took him to court. Oh, uh, he was forced? Yeah, he was forced, yes. He was forced okay. to take me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was seven years old. And how did you feel about that at the time? Um, I didn't like it. I didn't know him. I yeah. That was like uprooting you from the known into the unknown. Yeah. And then my dad was a very tough guy. Hmm. And in those days, very Afri- strict. Yes, very strict. African fathers were very, very, very strict. And I remember one thing of him. I think was trying to instruct me. Uh, to do certain things mm-hmm. and I, I did not because my mom never was never strict or punished or anything. Oh, okay. So then my dad said he he he's he spanked me and I said, Oh, it is sweet in my language, just teasing him because I knew he would not do anything much until he, he really did it hard and then I started saying it is sweet, it is sweet, it is sweet, until I started crying. I remember that, that I remember. And it then I sweet. knew that, yeah, trying to tease him, say, wow, sparking you, is, uh, yeah, stubborn. Yeah, <laughs> it's very yeah. stubborn. So, but that's when I realized that this guy is different from my mom. Hmm. Here you don't give those yeah, jokes. Yeah. 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 
Oh, okay. So you yeah. you were used to kind of getting away with oh, yeah. goofing if, around and yeah. that, and then you found out. Oh yeah, dad that, doesn't take any of that. No, that so, and I really appreciate my dad that he was um, mm. he was a tough tough guy that taught us to be men and mm. how to look at, at things and, and and provide solutions mm-hmm. and and find our way out uh, so he was a a storyteller he mm-hmm. was a, an educator mm-hmm. he would sit with us every night at table he would tell us certain things about real life and mm-hmm. what we can expect in the future uh, but he was very very strict mm-hmm. and easy to punish you do not take any oh, okay. minute without yeah, punishing I, you learn yeah. very quick about that yeah Okay, so now a lot of us here in Australia, when we think of Uganda, we think of hunger. I mean, you're connected with the ministry, Feed the Hungry. Yes. So that helps kind of reinforce that stereotype. But for you, living with your father, you were quite the opposite. You lived very well. Oh, yeah. My father was uh, an agricultural officer. Mm -hmm. And in those days, that was a very big, prestigious uh, position Mm -hmm. uh, in government. But he also had his own tea farms we had mm-hmm. two tea farms oh wow. yeah. uh, so we had oh you were the, the elite oh yeah we were yeah. up there and, yeah. my, and my dad even was edu- educated in canada mm-hmm. uh, international yeah. international so yeah. most people walked and uh, we were about two people in the entire area that had a car so oh, okay. we were really yeah. doing very well compared to how everybody else were mm-hmm. and being an agriculture officer we had more than enough food to eat mm-hmm. um actually we would be punished if we received too much food and we didn't eat and finish it mm-hmm. so they would my dad would say they call that greed if you can accept to be served that much you should eat and finish it mm-hmm. so we didn't know that there were people that actually were starving out there. So, so quite the opposite of yes. the stereotype of the starving Ugandan. Yes. And a refugee. Say, yes. And you see, uh, in Uganda, we have two classes of people. You have mm-hmm. the rich, and the rich are really rich. They have it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have the poor. Those have completely nothing. Mm-hmm. So we don't have the middle class. Yeah. You either have or you don't. So the haves and the have-nots. Yes. And you are in the haves. Yes. So... And, and once, nothing. And once you are in the haves, you don't even know that there are those that don't have. Yeah, how is that? You you never came across poor people? Because, as I said, our dad was very strict. Mm-hmm. There was no visiting of other places. You'd go to school and come mm-hmm. back home. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of really separated from okay. uh, other lifestyles. Okay. Even culture, I didn't know that we had tribes. I didn't know any of those. Mm. I think I was in like primary five or mm. when I when they asked me of my tribe at school, mm. and I didn't know. So I came to ask my dad, "What is my tribe? What is my clan?" And he said, "What have you got to do with those things?" Oh, he didn't want you to know. He didn't. About yes. That. So we were totally mm. separated from okay. the reality of what others go through. And you were so, at a private school. Yes. So, so again. Apart from yes, privileged other people, yeah, yes, privileged, mm-hmm. and and I, I really didn't want. My father would never want us to even uh, ask personal questions of others. He would say they call that gossip. So you don't ask or talk about other people. Mm-hmm. Talk about yourself. Talk about the purpose for which you live. Mm-hmm. So he really made us totally separate from mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Okay, yeah, and a minimal Christian upbringing. Yeah, we had. Uh, we would go to church. But 
as as a culture not mm. really as a as as a serious commitment and not uh, a personal relationship not, with no jesus. personal relationship no. with jesus and we would uh, always sit outside church i don't remember ever sitting in church we would sit outside oh yeah why yeah, but we 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 had our friends would have fun we talk oh. but at church so but the so you singing, weren't really attending church you were just kind of in the area yeah but, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but the songs we would sing the songs oh, okay. once the music because africans we love our music so <laughs> once the music started we would sing along and then yeah. but the rest no way we were not really into that so that was just a cultural thing yes it was okay. culture more of a culture yeah. now you found out that even though it was just culture it was a pretty important thing to your father very very important and and uh, you see i think in africa we have a lot of re- religion where mm-hmm. people would really just go to church mm-hmm. but not having any relationship with christ mm-hmm. and they can even uh, do witchcraft but mm-hmm. on sunday go mm-hmm. to church so they can actually do both oh so they see no contradiction no that. no contradiction because they you know they say it's just cultural anyway yeah they they actually use the statement god helps those that help themselves hmm. so you try uh, satanism a little bit and all this so so and and, and we would also do that at home so hmm. you'd see uh, which doctors coming in oh, okay uh, to you know to um, immunize you hmm. against witchcraft but they're also using witchcraft and then on sunday you're going to church. Huh, so, so a little bit of both. Oh, both, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds probably a little confusing. But that's, uh, that, that, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you even today, we have so many people that still go to church and they don't have any relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is why uh, in, in my country, mm-hmm. when people give their lives to Jesus, they would even leave certain churches or religions mm-hmm. to totally make a commitment mm-hmm. to churches that have confessed Christ mm-hmm. and they're very serious with their work with Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's basically what happened to you. And uh, that's what happened when I was in high school. Uh, there was a scripture union group where kids come and, mm-hmm. and uh, read scripture together, pray together, worship together. But what attracted me there was the piano. They played yeah. the piano. Music again. Oh, music. <laughs> I had never seen, I never seen a piano. Oh yeah. When they, hit those buttons and I had the music and the people singing. I said, I need to be in there. And I, I wanted permission to enter. They said, no, 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 no. You're welcome. And then they explained scripture. Mm. Now, first time I'm now real, really listening to scripture. Mm, yeah. And uh, I picked interest. I, I got a Bible. And so I was given one young guy that was uh, supposed to be uh, my mentor. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, then I really made a commitment to, uh, uh, with my walk in Christ. Uh-huh. Yes. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadavo is chatting with Pastor Solomon Moswige, who's the country director of Feed the Hungry in East Africa. Solomon is sharing his life journey with us and how the Lord developed in him a heart for helping the poor. We'll hear more of his story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. 
Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is Pastor Solomon Mosige, who is the country director of Feed the Hungry in East Africa, and also the founder and CEO of Good News Evangelical Ministries in Uganda. Before the break, we heard how he became a Christian. Next, we'll hear how this leads to problems with his father as he continues his chat with Eric Scatterbo. So you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now... In contrast with before when it was just cultural, now you had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. And then you came home and did something that kind of annoyed your father. Yeah, you know that now that school was in the city. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, actually in school for a year. Was that like a boarding school? Uh, Yeah, boarding school. So I came back home. Uh, when I was really deeply rooted and grounded in Christ. And really on fire. Yeah, on fire. So uh, we were supposed to say the grace as we got the food. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I I prayed a prayer that was not the usual prayer that we used to. Before, was it just kind of recited? Yes, uh, yes, yeah. So, But you decided to uh, do something different. Yes, I really prayed. And then when I was praying and I had a slap on my cheek, Oh, he didn't like that. No, my dad said, what is this? Who taught you this? How did you begin to do this? So he said, have you changed from my religion? I said, I've Mm. not changed, but I have uh, made a commitment, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. a personal relationship with Christ. He said, no way. And uh, No, no, no. why was he so uh, anti? Because uh, that was considered moving from religion to religion. So that he could not tell the difference between uh, making a commitment uh, uh, with my work with Christ mm. and just being religious. So, mm. and, no, no, and, and, and there had been a new sect that had come. Mm. Uh, there was a new revival that came uh, from Kenya. Mm. And uh, they used to sing a song saying, Oh, God is good. My God is good. And then they would sing it in, in Swahili, mm-hmm. uh, saying, Mungu ni mwema. So then they called that religion Mongo Nimwema, meaning God is good. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a name, but because they sang mm-hmm. that song of revival so much. Mm-hmm. So they, my dad thought I had joined that group. And those people would go on the streets and preach. Mm-hmm. But their preaching also was uh, a little bit untrained, where mm-hmm. they would go uh, try to convict people of sin, even by saying, I did this, I did that, you know. To oh, make people realize that sins. sin is bad, mm-hmm. so get out of there. So my father was very concerned that if I, uh, I, I he allows me to go into this uh, new new group, I may end up on the street one, I shame him as a committed religious guy, mm-hmm. that his son oh, is... Oh, you'll bring shame to him. Yes, shame to him. Because you're going to tell of the terrible things uh, in yes. your home life. Yes, those things that, that are done. He, he doesn't want anybody to know no, about no, that. No, 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 no. He doesn't want it, but uh, you know, he had even done, made the pilgrimage to Rome. So he's considered oh. a real religious figure. Mm-hmm. He had even sponsored some people into the religious uh, trainings mm-hmm. to become leaders. Mm-hmm. In, in, mm-hmm. But so he could not want us, especially me, his son. and uh, But also, 
he didn't know better he was protecting me to make sure that in his mind in his mind yes because he didn't really know about this new no, evangelical christianity no. he thought it was something strange yeah and he uh, wanted to protect you from it yeah heresy or something so he didn't want me to really get ruined or something and mm. he actually even burnt my bible oh yeah he said you are reading this book and you are not trained so this has confused you mm. so he he burnt it Mm. He was that angry yeah. that he could not So what made things worse for me is when I shared my faith with my sister. Oh. And my sister gave her life to Christ. Oh, okay. So my dad said we can't be two men running this home. Oh, so, that was a threat to his authority. Yes. Oh, okay. So he asked me to leave with nothing. So How old were you about at um, that time? I was I was uh, 20. Mm. I was already a big boy. Mm-hmm. So and he did not my mom was living 30 miles away married to a pastor. Now we should say obviously things had changed in your mother's life. Things had changed. Yes, she, she was born again and mm-hmm. married mm-hmm. uh with children. Mm-hmm. So then I walked 30 miles. 30 miles. Yes. To go and, and be And it's with, hot in Uganda. Yeah. with nothing mm. no food no money no nothing and i walked to be with my mom and uh, my mom received me now had you seen her recently at that time uh, no i would uh, the first time when she took me i saw her again when i was 12 oh several yes. years had passed yes i, I and, and, and i had forgotten all about her and everything mm. Mm. so i would go there once in a while in mm. our school breaks or mm. holidays mm-hmm. and once if my dad would allow mm-hmm. so this time i was going to stay there forever mm-hmm. and uh, uh, i came with nothing yeah and uh, i was very hungry after walking all those miles mm-hmm. so i remember yeah. they brought food uh, when they had cooked for everybody and uh, the luxury of anybody having his own plate with your own serving uh, now that was over Yeah, so now the, we should say yeah. you as we mentioned earlier yeah. were in a late. You yes. had everything you wanted. You liked yes. for nothing. Yes. Now you go from that yes to your mother's place yes. which was quite different. Yes. Which was what? Poor? Very poor. Oh, very Not poor. poor but beyond poor. Oh. Yes. At my father's house we had maids, we had workers, mm-hmm. people that cooked, yeah. people that people you waiting know. on you. Yeah, so there uh, there's nothing even no food to eat so they put food on that round tray like serving place just a pile uh, yeah so they piled food there and mm-hmm. we all sat around how many people uh about seven of us mm-hmm. and to my surprise this food was very hot and by the time i ate maybe like three times mm-hmm. all the food was over Oh. And uh, everybody's just grabbing. Grabbed it. Yeah. They they have been, they're hungry but they're also trained there. They're used to how, how to eat hot food. I wondered whether they had uh, uh, refrigerators in their mouth that could <laughs> could make the <laughs> food cool it, off. cool it but they, they they just ate it and within no time everything was over. And here you only had a couple mouthfuls. And I'm I'm, I'm I've walked those those many miles yeah. I'm tired and very hungry. and there was nothing hmm. i looked at my mom she looked at me and it was like 
that's how life is on wow a rude awakening for you yes yeah sleeping um i didn't have a bed of my own anymore because there was one blanket so i had to sleep with my brother mm. so that we can share the same blanket mm. it was uh now that was yeah, that was from uh, what you were used to yeah. Yeah. and 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 i think that's when i got to know that poverty exists oh yeah you, you learn in a real. big way yeah. yes hunger is real yeah and there are people that need to be helped mm-hmm. i think one of the reasons why i really in my ministry i had to consider helping other people mm-hmm. because at least i i i, I yeah, could you, tell you, the difference you knew both sides of the story yes mm-hmm. yeah so how do you get from that situation to eventually going into ministry I actually lived uh with my mom for some time mm-hmm. and I started because they had a church right in in our in our compound. Mm-hmm. Uh so I got involved in ministry. Mm-hmm. I was already on fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we formed an uh, outreach program uh, with my other friend. Uh, we started going uh doing uh, uh, crusades with our mouth in mm-hmm. in in in, uh, in little towns. And um, we did revivals, mm-hmm. uh, pr- uh, church planting, and encouraging people that uh, were already in ministry. But then, when I was getting very excited about ministry, the church where I was didn't approve of me uh, no? g- going into ministry. They said, "You're too young. This fire, you know, you wanna, mm. you, you, you're going to make mistakes and all this." but i said i have already lost everything mm. because of the gospel yeah i don't have the luxury of just sitting and watching like you guys mm-hmm. i've lost my family i've lost wealth i've lost mm. my education everything i had i lost because of the gospel mm. so what else do i have to do apart from preaching this same gospel mm-hmm. and if people can persecute me because of this gospel which they don't know mm-hmm. why shouldn't i make it known Mm. So I decided to go out uh, on my own because we had just come from the days of uh, Idi Amin. Uh, Idi Amin, the uh, dictator Yeah, the dictator, yes. Mm-hmm. So I got saved during his time. Mm-hmm. Churches had been closed apart from the Catholic and the, uh, and the Anglican or mm-hmm. Protestant church. Mm-hmm. So if you were to be Christian, you either had to be Protestant or Catholic. Mm-hmm. Nothing or, or, else. Nothing no, else. No evangelical. Uh, but but he was a Muslim, so he'd have become Muslim, uh, like Idi Amin, or mm-hmm. no evangelicals or any other thing. Mm-hmm. So then now, the freedom has come, and so I had to go uh, and start uh, preaching the gospel. I actually moved 50 miles away uh, from home mm-hmm. to become a missionary in my own place, mm-hmm. uh, where God did Lord great things, miracles, signs, and wonders, and uh, people. coming for healings people mm. a great revival broke out in western uganda mm. and hundreds of churches started from and we were praying under a tree a cactus tree mm. it never rained oh. in two years when i was there never oh. during my time of services either it would rain before oh. or, or after yeah and then a revival started then i started going church planting until i came to kampala in bulenga where i am right now and uh, uh ministry uh, started in Kampala mm-hmm. uh, for purposes of uh, being an easy to uh, coordination place mm-hmm. to connect with other ministries everywhere mm-hmm. so uh, right now it's uh, uh, a big ministry 
Yeah, that, so you became the founder and CEO of Good News Evangelical Ministries. Exactly. So that's a success in and of itself. Yes. Now let's move on to kind of the next phase in your life. Uh-huh. You become involved in the international ministry, which mm-hmm. is also here in Australia, called Feed the Hungry. Yes. How did you become involved with Feed the Hungry? Uh, that was a miracle, I would say, because I, I had visited the United States uh, to preach. Mm-hmm. And I showed a, f- a movie, a, a small clip of my school. I, I run to Christian schools mm-hmm. called King Solomon Junior School and King Solomon High School. So I, I saw children that were fighting for food at my school. Mm. One kid had his lunch because we don't provide, no school provides meals in Uganda. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have food at school, you either pack your own food. Mm-hmm. So, one kid packed his own food and uh, other kids went to beg and started dancing and singing and, and showing their presence and say, guy, can you share? Mm-hmm. The boy with his food lunch was so focused. He ate his food and finished and gave nothing. Mm-hmm. And I said, if this was my own child begging, mm-hmm. How would this feel? So I was recording on uh, the, the, that clip of, mm. of what he was doing. And then I shared it with a, a pastor in, in Michigan mm-hmm. who had uh, a contact with Feed the Hungry. Mm-hmm. So he called them and said there is a pastor that is really struggling feeding his school and kids are really hungry mm-hmm. and begging. Can you help? And Stefan called me. Stefan, who is, who is the, the now uh, international director mm-hmm. of Feed the Hungry. He said, can you receive food? I said, yes, I've never, though, but I, I think I can. Mm-hmm. So they shipped me the first container of food, rice, dehydrated rice meals. Mm-hmm. And that was like the biggest miracle I had ever seen in my ministry. Being able to feed children mm. without discrimination, mm-hmm. poor, rich, or wherever you, you, you are, you can now come and have a meal. Okay, that was part one of Eric Scadabo's chat with Pastor Solomon Mosige, who's the country director of Feed the Hungry in East Africa. To learn more about Feed the Hungry, you can go to their website. It's feedthehungry.org.au. Once again, that's feedthehungry.org.au. We invite you to join us again next time to hear more of Pastor Solomon's story and how God continually leads him to more and more people who are in need of food. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, we'll end with this verse from the Bible. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deed. That comes from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Pastor Solomon's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. War broke out in South Sudan, so more refugees came to Uganda. Another refugee camp formed, so I went there, and that was even worse. And Feed the Hungry said, yes, we'll step in, we'll help. And the beauty about it is that uh, we share the good news about Jesus because these kids have seen all bad things. They have jumped over dead bodies. So they need the gospel. 
to get that courage to move on. Once again, Pastor Solomon Morsige joins us to share more of the events that have shaped his life and how the Lord led him to help many people in need in his home country of Uganda. That's Pastor Solomon Morsige, the country director of Feed the Hungry in East Africa, sharing more of his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.